tonight, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to go either going to be real good or real bad. Hallelujah. But one way or another, it's going to be real short. So, amen. I am uncertain on this, and I'm not worried about your ability to understand. I'm worried about my ability to preach it. So, we want the Lord to bless. Hallelujah. We want the Lord, most of all, to bless this church and see it go forward in God. Go forward in God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And we don't want the devil to win a victory in this town, this assembly. Hallelujah. We want God to win this battle. And I believe he's going to. Amen. So my heart is with you. I'm behind you. And uh, I pray, God, that his blessings will continue to be bestowed upon this church. And it seems like I'm forgetting something, but hallelujah. Thank you for the nice room. Thank you for the basket. Whoever fixed that knows what they're doing, hallelujah. So, amen, they fixed some good stuff. So we appreciate your kindness, hospitality. If you would stand with us tonight, we're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter number 6. And beginning at verse number 13. That's for me, I'm not here. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse number 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he sware by himself, saying, Surely, blessing will I bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation to them, and is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in that it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor for, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which in, endureth until... If you think it's easy, these are real small words, and I'm getting old, hallelujah. I forgot my glasses. Which endureth until the, that within the veil, hallelujah. We'll have a Bible reading contest. Have church, see if you can read these words. Amen. Are you really glad for the word of the Lord today? Amen. 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 You may be seated. I should have borrowed one of you, but guys, Bible's got big print. That sissy Bible, you said? Okay. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, it's King James, so it's flawless. We're not going to go there. Hallelujah. I said that for my good brother's sake over here. Amen. We want the word of the Lord to bless. Several years ago, I was reading a history about the state of California before it became a state. It was a part of Mexico, and it was ruled by the Mexican government in Mexico City. But in those days, travel was slow, and California was a long ways away. And it wasn't too long until the people that lived in California resented people from Mexico City coming up and telling them what to do. And so 
the the uh, strife that started uh, 40 or 50 years before the Mexican-American War and culminated in the United States uh, taking California as a part of their war prize really had the foundation 40 or 50 years before in this discontent that was in the heart of a lot of Californians because of, of their uh, perceived lack of kindness and fairness from the Mexican government. And so it was a interesting story to read about. If you've never read about that part of history, it's interesting. And as I was reading this book, it told a little story that I want to leave with you tonight. Uh, back in those days, uh, California ships, excuse me, United States ships would sail along the California coast. And remember, this was not a part of the United States at this time would sail along the coast, and they would uh, have their ships filled with goods of some kind, clothing and guns and tools and manufactured goods, and they would sail along the California coast, and they would stop periodically at these harbors that dot the California coastline, and they would go inland, and they would uh, put some wagons uh, out of the ship onto the ground, and they would haul them into some of these big uh, haciendas, huge ranches, and they would take their goods and they would set them before the people that lived there, primarily the, the owner of the place, the, the head of the, the ranchero and uh, the, the hacienda, and they would sell their goods to these people that lived in California, and they would take as their pay cow hides. So it was a barter system, trade system. And uh, this, ha this took place for 20 or 30 years until California became a state, and was soon linked to the United States with railroads, and all that stopped when uh, it became more profitable to go overland. But it was, a, it was an interesting time in the time of California when these people had these huge land grants, Spanish land grants. You've heard of those uh, people uh, that were favorites of the king, part of the aristocracy, were granted hundreds of thousands of acres of California real estate probably a lot more valuable then than it is now, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Um, but uh, they were granted hundreds of thousands of acres, huge plots. And a lot of our California cities were named by these families that had these huge holdings, these haciendas like Vallejo in California. Uh, it was a couple of the, uh, one of the names I remember. And so it was, uh, it was a time when there was some commerce going on, some trade. And so this ship anchored in one of the harbors there along the Santa Clara area, and they went to this beautiful ranch house where this rich man uh, farmed and had cattle on these tens of thousands of beautiful acres, California, along the California coast. And he brought his wares in to show the householders, and uh, they made their selections, and they decided we want this and this and whatever. They, they conducted their business, and, and the owner of the place was named Rivera. And he said, the next time you come back, we'll have the cowhides for you to take. And the fellow that was selling them the goods was new to California, didn't know the ways, the customs. And so he, uh, he was from New England, where they did business a little different in New England than they did on the California coast. And so he told this aristocratic old gentleman that owned these hundreds of thousands of acres. He said, how do we know you'll pay us? And there was a little 
communication problem. Uh, the owner of the hacienda spoke Spanish. This Yankee spoke English, of course. And so they weren't making real good connection. And this, this uh, aristocratic old gentleman wasn't quite catching what the problem was. He kept saying, no, we'll, we'll give you the, the hides when you come back. And this fellow said, well, how do we know we'll get it? And finally it dawned on him he was worried about being cheated by this old man. And in the book it said that he stretched up to his full height, which probably wasn't all that high, but he stretched up to his full height and looked this guy in the eye. And he reached up and he pulled out a whisker out of his beard. And he said, you take this back to the ship owner and you tell him this came from the beard of Don Diego Rivera. That'll be good enough for him. That was how they guaranteed a transaction in California. They'd take one of their whiskers and give it as a seal of guarantee. Said, you go tell. He's been around here before. I've dealt business with him. It's you that's new. Said, you tell him this is a whisker from the beard of Don Diego Rivera. Said, that will be good enough. And it was. That's the way they sealed their bargains. They gave a whisker from their beard. I guess women didn't do a lot of business in those days. <laughs> well, we ain't going to go there. <laughs> Anyway, don't get me started. Anyway, that was their seal of approval. That was their guarantee. Are you with me tonight? Now, the Bible here in this very interesting sixth chapter of Hebrews starts off by saying, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying in the foundation of dead works and repentances and so forth. He's not saying to abandon those principles. He's saying just don't stop there. You keep what God's given you, but you add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, all those things. So, so he was saying, let's don't stop on the baby level. Let's don't stop on the elementary level. Let's don't stop at the beginning. Let's go on into perfection. Let's get what God has for us. What we've got is good. We're not complaining about that. But this is not where we start. This is where we start. This is not the ending. This is the beginning. You know, when you get the Holy Ghost, that's not the end of your walk in God. You just got in the door. Hallelujah. When you repent of your sins, get baptized in the name of Jesus. That's not the end of the road. That's the start of the road. Amen. God's got victories that you haven't seen yet. God's got glories for you and understandings and revelations that you haven't even glimpsed at yet. You don't stop at the altar. You start at the altar. You don't stop in the baptismal tank. You start there. And so leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. Let us, let us perfect the work of righteousness that God has started in our lives. And then he goes on into this very controversial reading. In some people's eyes, at least, he said it's impossible. If you've tasted the good word of God, the things of righteousness, Spirit of the Lord, if you've walked in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and you fall away, it's impossible to restore you, to renew you. Now, this doesn't mean that if you've ever backslid, you can't pray through. That's the way some people want to read it. 
But it really doesn't say that. If you'll read it carefully, you'll see a phrase in there that's key. It says, if you do leave God, you crucify to yourself the Son of God afresh and bring Him to home shame. You don't crucify Jesus again. He's never going back on the cross, honey. When He comes next time, He's not coming as the baby in the manger, the carpenter's son. No, no. He's coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not Him and have not obeyed the gospel. You can't put Jesus back on the cross, but you ruin your relationship with Him to yourself. You crucify Him to yourself. And what He's saying there, if I can keep this as short as possible, is that if the blood of Jesus Christ is not sufficient for you. If you're looking for some other way, if you're looking for some other plan, if you think you can go to plan B, I got news for you, honey. There is no other way. There is no other plan. Amen. You're going to come the way of the cross or you're not going to make it. You're going to humble yourself to God or you're not going to make it. goes on. Now, now stay with me just a few more minutes. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them through, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He said, what I'm trying to do is stir you up to stay the course. I'm trying to get you to stay in the church and to stay faithful to God and do the works of righteousness. And then he goes into our scripture reading. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. When God made promise, now this is the way that God seals his bargains. The old man in California gave him a whisker out of his beard. This is the way God seals his bargains. He makes a promise. He promises. And then he swears by himself. Saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Speaking of Abraham, you know, he, you know, it took a while for Abraham to get what God promised him. But he did. He did. And some of the promise he's still yet to get. He was looking for a city that hath foundations. He hadn't got it yet. He died not obtaining the promise. The Bible said, but he's going to get it one of these days. He's still waiting. And it was a good wait. Hallelujah. He's still expecting and he's not going to be disappointed. You know how we know he's going to get what God promised him? Because God promised. And then he swear by himself. He said, I'm going to do it. And I swear by my own self that I'm going to do it. For men verily swear by the greater. Now hear me on this. This is where it's going to get tricky. For men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. If you make it a big enough promise, that usually stops the fuss. What are you saying? If you find something great enough, that will shut everybody up. Wherein God... Willing more abundantly in to, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. That means the unchanging, the absolute, unalterable, immutable. You can't 
stop it and you can't turn it aside and you can't change it and you can't move it. It's immutable. It's in the phrase of the New Testament, it's forever settled in heaven. Okay, it's immutable. It cannot be changed. I read a book the other day, something that's so good. It's not really what I'm preaching on, but I can't stop myself. This guy said that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and the church started, God made an offer to people for salvation. You can either say yes or no. What you cannot do is change the terms of the offer. That's not changeable. You can walk out, bless your little heart, or you can come to the altar. You can say yes or no. What you cannot do is negotiate with God. What you cannot do is change the terms of the offer. Hallelujah. It's repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If you want to go to heaven, there it is. You don't have to go. What you can't do is change the terms of the sacrifice. You can't change what God's offered. You can walk away. You just can't change it. Can't change it. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it with an oath, that by two immutable things, by two immutable things, unchanging things, unalterable things, divine things, settled by God, you, no man can move them one inch by two immutable things. What were the two things? Well, He promised... And then he swore by himself. He promised, then he sealed the deal. He promised, then he plucked the hair out of his beard and gave it to us. Are you with me on this tonight? That by these two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation that who have fled for refuge to lay the hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Let me tell you what gives me hope tonight, Brother Abbott. Because God promised, and then he swore by himself. God promised. And then he said, I swear it's true. I swear by myself. You know, the Bible says men swear by something greater. But you know, the problem is God couldn't find anything greater. The Almighty looked around and said, My name itself ought to tell you that I can't find anybody to swear by. I can't find some higher cause, some greater way than myself. I can't find a greater personage than what I am. He looked around and said, You know, now don't think this is egotistical. If a human did it, it would be. But this is God. If a man did it, we'd think you're some kind of nut. But God said, I looked around. I, I, I can't find anybody. Amen. That's equal to me. So I'm going to make a promise to you. And then going to seal it by saying, I swear by myself. If you want to know how sure God's promises are, they're as sure as God is. If you want to know how great they are, they're as great as God is. If you want to know how powerful His promises are, they're as powerful as He is. If you want to know how unchangeable they are, they're as unchangeable as He is. Hallelujah. He swore. And then He swore by Himself that by these two immutable promises, we might have consolation. And this consolation is an anchor to our soul. It's an anchor, bless God. It's something you can hold on to in a storm. It's something that will hold your ship steady in a storm. 
when problems arise, all you got to do is say, God gave me two answers. God gave me two consolations. God gave me two promises. Hallelujah. He said, no man can take them out of my hand. You don't have to worry about backsliding. If you'll come to church and live for God, amen. God's got you settled in heaven. Hallelujah. You don't have to worry about the church as long as you're going to a one God apostolic church. You know now that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. The gates of hell are not going to stop the church. How do you know? Because God promised. He promised. You know, sometimes God has to do it Himself. He looked for an intercessor one time and He couldn't find one. So you know what He said? He said, I bared my own right arm. I bared my own right arm. I'll take, I'll take care of this myself. He didn't send some boy down to save the world. He didn't send the second person in the Trinity. Oh, no, honey. God overshadowed the Virgin Mary. Said, I'll step down into flesh. Hallelujah. I'll come. God was manifest in the flesh. I'll take care of this myself. He swear. And then he swear by himself. He said, I'm going to save you, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to bear my right arm. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what I can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, just give me a couple of minutes on this. Do you understand that the revelation of Jesus Christ is not the oneness? He came to a people that was oneness. He didn't reveal anything to those Jews. They already believed, Hero is the Lord our God is one Lord. They already believed that Hero is the Lord our God is one Lord. The revelation of Jesus is not that there's one God. The revelation of Jesus is that that one God came down to us in the form of flesh. The incarnation is the revelation, Brother Bo. That He came in flesh. That He came and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. That was what God did that was special. Hallelujah. There's one God people all over the world. The Muslims are one God folk. What they don't know is who Jesus is. What they don't know is the incarnation. That in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same with Him. All things were made by Him. And, and he came into his own. I love this scripture. He came into his own and his own received him not. They couldn't see. They couldn't see that incarnation. Those Jews couldn't get it. Isn't it funny? The Trinitarians, they can't see the humanity of God. The Jews couldn't see the deity of God. They were always saying, you being a man, make yourself God. He'd forgive their sins. And they'd say, well, what is this? This is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God? And they were right. They were right. Only God can forgive sins. Hallelujah. Their problem was they just couldn't see that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. They couldn't catch it that it was the incarnation that they had to see. Not one God, but the incarnation. That that one God was in Christ reconciling the world into Himself, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world into Himself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world into Himself. You know, this is, this. let me tell you what this great truth is. It's an anchor to our soul. It's an anchor. An anchor to our soul. It's an anchor to the church. You're not going to keep this bunch. This adverse, can I preach to you a little? You're not going to keep these people by being the best singer in town. That's not going to do it. 
You're not going to keep this people by having the most beautiful building. And we we got beautiful churches to thank God for, especially him. Hallelujah. You know, we're, we're not going to keep these people by, by being the smartest and the best and having the greatest personality and leading the conga line, all this other stuff that denominal preachers think is going to build congregation. That's not what that's not what it is. Amen. When we get our people to believe that hero is of the Lord, our God is one Lord. When we instill in them the glory of the revelation of the Godhead, it's an anchor. It's an anchor to the soul. It's an anchor to the soul. It'll put you on the highway of holiness with, like nothing else will. I had in a lifetime of preaching and pastoring, I've never known anybody that had a terrific revelation to backslide. I've seen people that really didn't know too much about it. I've seen them go out, but you get you get a real revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You get it in your heart that to get to it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. You really get that in your heart and really see the glory and the magnificence of that revelation, and you're anchored. You're anchored. It's an anchor to the soul. Do you believe it tonight? Amen. Amen. I've got confidence tonight, and it's not in me. I don't have confidence in the flesh. What I've got confidence in is that God gave me two promises. And one of them was good, and the other one was better. Hallelujah. One of them was great, and the other one was greater. He said, I'll keep you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then he said, I swear it by myself. I swear it by myself. But these two immutable proofs. Woo! How come you're not shouting tonight? You take off running, not shut up. Hallelujah. Amen. By these two immutable proofs, we become anchored. I remember one time. My pastor wasn't real easy to get along with. And my mother wasn't real easy to get along with. So they had several real good clashes in the years that she went to the Bakersfield Church. And uh, I remember one time my mother went to Brother Terry and started complaining about something he had preached. Well, I'm glad my mom don't go to my church. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said... You're not happy here, Bonnie. I'm going to send you over to Stobal. Wasn't that his name? Yeah. I'm going to send you over to Brother Stobal. He's across town, South Bakersfield. My, my mother said, I ain't going anywhere. I said, you don't want to go somewhere? I said, no. i got to be saved. I don't want that. I, I, I can't take a chance on losing my... Just because I'm unhappy about something you preach don't mean I won't leave. Hallelujah. I'm staying right here. I found a church that preaches the truth. I'm staying here. I found a church that believes righteousness. I'm staying right here. When you get this, when you get this, it anchors your soul. It anchors your soul. Woo! Hallelujah. It anchors your soul. Do you believe it tonight? Would you stand right now and let's raise our hands and worship God that we have these two immutable proofs. My God in your name. My God in your name. My God in your name. Hallelujah. 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 